It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome FanDuel Show, the Week 8 edition. I am your host, Matt Gajeski. I am here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. And you, of course, can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this show and all others go live across the channel. So today we are talking everything FanDuel. And to kick off the slate... We have some injury news. Julian Edelman allegedly is going to miss a couple games here. I haven't seen any firm confirmation on how many games, but, you know, this does save some people maybe from building a couple bad Julian Edelman lineups. Kyle, what do you make of this news? Yeah, it's not a big deal for me, particularly, especially on like FanDuel, where I mean, on DraftKings, if you have like a 3K wide receiver who's going to get five targets, like like some people just lock button that guy. The salary dynamics don't create the same necessity for those players to be in your lineups on FanDuel. So no, just one of many reasons to probably avoid this Patriots game. For sure. There's a couple other injuries we'll be monitoring throughout the week. Of course, last week, even after the show, you and I record on Thursdays where we talk everything FanDuel, we get the Aaron Jones news, we get the Joe Mixon news, and it completely blows up the entire logistics of the slate. Now, we don't have Jamal Williams and Giovanni Bernard Price just at the stone minimum or near the stone minimum like we did last week, but they're conversations that are still worth having, and we'll have to wait on the status of Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon throughout the week. Are you interested in, in I guess, Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams while we're talking injuries here before we dive into the position-by-position breakdowns? Yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in both of these guys, even though FanDuel doesn't quite reward you to the same extent that DraftKings does for receptions only getting half of a point. That is still half a point that you're not getting otherwise. And the yardage that comes along with it and the touchdown potential that comes along with it. I believe Giovanni Bernard actually caught a receiving touchdown. That's how he scored. And Jamal Williams has gotten a ton of work as the as a pass catch of the season, regardless of Aaron Jones' health. So these are guys who maybe profile more as like DraftKings-style plays. But I think specifically with Jamal Williams, like, if we can reasonably project the Packers to be one of the highest scoring teams on the slate and every week, week, week in, week out, their implied team total says that is correct. I don't care if he's more of a pass catching back or more of a running back. He's going to get the bulk of the between the tackles carries. That gives him a ton of touchdown upside. So I think Jamal Williams would probably be my preferred play of the two, but both of them absolutely enter the conversation, even on FanDuel, you know, with their more receiving profiles. Yeah, I bring this up at the start because this probably changes the dynamic of ownership that we'll see later in the week. And as we go through the position by position breakdown at 
the various spots. We do like to talk ownership, and this probably will shake things up at least a little bit, not to the extent we saw last week where they just became the stone chalk. I think there will be some ownership that gravitates towards them, but that, that remains to be seen. Let's dive into the quarterback position. As usual, when we talk on FanDuel, position by position, we've seen some flatter ownership in recent weeks. I, I think this is a strange slate where we are seeing Patrick Mahomes kind of up near the top by himself. And it's a very interesting game environment, I think, to take a look at Patrick Mahomes. They're coming in as like just immense, immense favorites. And it makes for a tricky situation to target. Of course, we're talking about Kansas City versus the New York Jets. With Kansas City favored by nearly three scores, I think we need to raise the question, does Patrick Mahomes even play a full game in this spot? If they're up by a couple scores early, do they just ride the run? What are you doing with an expensive and an owned Patrick Mahomes at QB? Yeah, I think when I'm looking at the, especially at expensive chalk, I'm looking for ways to fail. And the higher your price goes, the easier it is to fail in the sense of you do have to score a lot of points to be a value. For some cheap wide receiver to be a value only needs like, you know, 40 yards and a touchdown or whatever. Patrick Mahomes has to do a lot to to pay off his 9,200 salary and to really crush it. He's going to have to do like, he's going to be trying to do so at 11% ownership in a game where we saw last week, they, they killed the Broncos. They did have, I think, multiple uh, defensive touchdowns, but their defense is quite good. They could do it against uh, Sam Donald as well. And most importantly, they did that against the Broncos who beat the Jets while they had their backup quarterback and Brett Griffin. So like, this is a game that, yes, I don't think you could, like, if you're doing projections, I do think you have to bake in some sort of amount of if they are actually winning this game by 20, if you're just going off of the Vegas line, which might be like 19 and a half at this point, whatever. It is the biggest line we've seen this season, probably dating back to some point in like early to middle of last season. It may be all. I don't know. Have we, do we even have a team as bad as the Jets last year? They are so bad this year. So, no, I don't think we see a full slate of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. And that is a great way to fail. Even if they have a great game, they need to absolutely smash to pay off their respective values. You know, Mahomes at 9,200. So, no, I think this is a, a very reasonable fade spot. And doing so gets you on a very different build as well because I will be pivoting to some, you know, relatively cheap quarterbacks. I think uh, 9,200 is just a lot. And for him to play three quarters, if he plays only three quarters, he's just not going to hit that most likely. So, no, I think Patrick Mahomes, because of his ownership, is actually in a decent fade spot. What was that game like a year or two ago? I believe it was the Minnesota Vikings were favored by like three scores. I think it was over the Bills. It the was. Bills, that, that was. I think that was two years ago. Um, and the Bills upset them. Yes. That, it, was, were they like transitioning to the Josh Allen era when they were God awful? And I think maybe like, was that one of the games where Josh Allen had a disgusting hurdle in the middle of the field? Okay. Well, I think you're right. I think we're both on this. This is not nor here nor there. We are not projecting <laughs> the jets to pull up, pull off this upset. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. To be clear, we're just talking about the last time we saw an absurd, like a three score spread. And I think that was two years ago. So it has been a long time since we have anything to reference. When we look at a game like Kansas city versus the jets, we're not saying the jets are going to win. Don't, don't take this out of context. Yeah, for sure. Do not, do not bet your money on the jets this weekend. <laughs> now, as far as like DraftKings versus Fandle, we'll mix in a little bit of this talk. It's, it's a very different situation on Fandle this week. Uh, obviously, there's a little bit more salary to work with as far as just the overall pricing structure. The early week chalk build on DraftKings features cheap quarterbacks. On Fandle, we have the exact opposite. We're seeing a lot of the expensive quarterbacks come in as the chalk. Mahomes is leading the way. Then after this, we have Russell Wilson tied with Tannehill. Russell Wilson being the more expensive of the two. He's at 8700 so we get a Russell Wilson chalk, a Patrick Mahomes chalk. Are you more willing to take a look at Wilson or are you just basically going to go the cheap route on FanDuel as well? 
Yeah, I think I'm more willing to look at Wilson because I don't think the game environment will be terrible. San Francisco's defense is not what we've seen in years past because of injuries, but just because of progression. It's hard to maintain being the best defense. It's even harder when you lose a lot of your talent. And Seattle's defense, absolutely terrible. Any team can do whatever they want against Seattle based on the passing numbers they're allowing. I think they're allowing the most passing yards per game by a pretty decent golf, like 32nd league with a pretty good gap between them and 31 on a per game basis because they have uh, I think they've already had their bye so when you adjust for that they are the worst defense to face or they're the best defense I guess to face four quarterbacks so we could see Jimmy Garoppolo put up some numbers and that's the type of game environment I like there's another game we'll talk about later I assume that is interesting to me but I want teams that can go back and forth and score against each other and I don't know if some of my favorite quarterbacks are playing in those games actually you know Mahomes we've already talked about is the perfect example I want my teams to go back and forth and back and forth and both score a ton of touchdowns Mahomes just isn't going to have that luxury of having to, you know, play aggressive and maybe play it all in the third and fourth quarter, whereas Seattle probably does have that luxury. So I'd much rather look to Russell Wilson at lowered ownership, not by a ton, about 2% lower ownership and $500 cheaper. He's still not my favorite quarterback on FanDuel, but I do think if you're asking me if I want to pay it for one of these guys, it has absolutely Wilson and I will have some exposure to Wilson. I, I do like Wilson in this spot. It is one of the few back and forth games and is currently sitting on the with the highest total on the board. So I think there's a lot of reasons to look to Wilson over Mahomes if you do decide to take the approach where you are playing an expensive quarterback. But this week on FanDuel is particularly interesting at the position. Once we get past the top three owned players, we're seeing five different quarterbacks come in with an ownership range of 6.5% to 7.3%. So outside of the top three, it's fairly flat, which I think we will be able to get some leverage with some of these signal callers. It's just a matter of who do you want to go to? We're seeing guys like Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings. It's a fairly high total. It's dropping. We have Joe Burrow taking on the Tennessee Titans, similar situation, a pretty decent total there. Then there's some quarterbacks. I'm maybe not as interested in both sides of this Las Vegas Cleveland gamer coming in with a fair amount of ownership. Is there a guy in this range that really catches your eye? Yeah, I mean, there are uh, a lot of interesting options in this range. I would say probably on the lower end of this range, like uh, if you if you get it's like above 5%, Lamar Jackson, I really like. Outside of that, Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill both. Uh, I guess Ryan Tannehill more uh, on the expensive, especially ownership-wise. Joe Burrow on the lesson ownership-wise, and about the same price, so it doesn't really matter there. This is another one of these games where we talk about where we could see both teams going back and forth and back and forth. And they are two completely like diametrically opposed philosophically teams where Cincinnati runs their entire offense through the passing game, whereas Tennessee does the exact opposite, one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL. And when we look at FanDuel scoring, I don't feel as much of a need to prioritize a guy like Alvin Kamara. So the stack seems quite simple. You have three viable pass catching options for Joe Burrow when you're just looking at the receivers. And on the other side of the ball, you can run, you can comfortably run it back with Derrick Henry. So I think Joe Burrow in this range is probably one of my favorite plays. But there are two plays, and I guess I'll, I'll throw this back to you after this. There are two of my favorite plays that are probably just a little bit below this threshold. Lamar Jackson, 8,300, is now the fourth most expensive quarterback, I believe, on FanDuel. He's still running a lot. It's not as much. But last week we saw him, or it would have been two weeks ago, the last time we saw him, he came and ran over 100 yards. I think it was 108 yards, nine carries. He's still Lamar Jackson. Maybe he's not 2019 Lamar Jackson, but he's still going to, on every given slate, probably lead the league, at least in quarterbacks, in terms of rushing yards, touchdown potential, and total carries. So when you get that upside with him still throwing, you know, 6% plus touchdown rate, when he is still a top 15 graded quarterback per PFF, he's not Lamar Jackson in 2019. He doesn't have to be if he's going to be 5% owned. 
I'll throw this one back to you because I kind of I kind of alluded to it earlier. Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now at producing fantasy points and producing touchdowns. He's still only 7,700, so he's not in that upper tier of pricing for quarterbacks, and he's going to be less than 5% owned. How do you approach someone like Justin Herbert, who not super popular, he has been absolutely shredding, but on the other side, it's what I talked about earlier. Denver is, is simply not projecting to put up much of a fight at all versus the Chargers. Do you Are you okay with losing a little bit of correlation upside by not playing Denver, or do you maybe bank on the correlation and play bad Denver plays? I'm kind of at a loss here because I want to play Herbert, I'm not sure I see much love on the other side. So I assume we're we're talking tournaments specifically with Herbert coming in at 7,700. His ownership is fairly low, 3.9%. So he's kind of outside of that middling ownership threshold range we're seeing. But he's been really efficient and he's played some tough matchups, averaging 8.4 yards per attempt this fourth in the NFL, completing over 67% of his passes. I think the reason we can look to Herbert still is just overall volume. LA playing extremely fast fourth in plays per game, 10th in seconds per play, and more of that coming via the pass of recent weeks. Now there's, especially on FanDuel, there's stacking options at all prices. I mean, you can look to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. I think the main question is, does Denver keep this competitive enough where you want to stack the other side? My first inclination is to say no. So maybe you're approaching this as something like a, a skinny stack where you just run one of these guys. I'm not entirely sure. But to sum up the discussion on Herbert, I am certainly interested in him based on efficiency and volume. Just the overall play volume in this LA offense leads itself to a lot of production. So I think I'll have some of Herbert. Lamar Jackson, just to touch on him quietly, I have a couple concerns. And it's not just his play of late, but I think the play volume in this game is going to be a little bit depressed. We're looking at a Baltimore team that is 27th in seconds per play and a Pittsburgh team that is 30th in seconds per play. Not to mention strong defenses on both sides. That's not to say Lamar Jackson doesn't have the immense upside we've seen in the past. He certainly does. And I think that's why he's coming in contrarian. At least the 5.1% ownership is contrarian based on where we've seen Lamar Jackson in the past. I think you could get leverage here if he has a good rushing game, but I'm not going to be banking on that. I think I'll be looking to some other really low owned plays in the range. As we we get down the list, like our sub 3% plays. There's a couple names in there. I think that are worth mentioning. There's, you know, players like Stafford's taking on Indianapolis. That total has plummeted a little bit. It actually started above 50. There's Drew Brees. There's Kirk Cousins. Any complete dart throws down here you have your eye on? Yeah. So we talk about plummeting totals. The Green Bay, Minnesota total has come down to, I have it at 51 right now, open to over 55. 51 is still not bad. And this isn't a slate where we see a bunch of like 55, 56 point totals. It has been much more tempered, the expectations. And, and a lot of the, the totals are actually getting bet unders right now. So 51 is still perfectly fine. He's an underdog. And in this scenario, maybe they do actually have to pass a lot. And the stacking options are quite obvious. You really have three possible pass catching options for him. When you look at Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, potentially Irv Smith, although I don't think you, you necessarily need to go there at tight end on FanDuel this week, but because I know that if my, if my Kirk Cousins stack hits, there aren't a ton of ways for me to be wrong in terms of choosing the receivers. So I think my probability of being right after picking the correct stack when playing Kirk Cousins it is very high. And this is a game that features a high total. It features easier runbacks on the other side. I think Kirk Cousins just going super underowned relative to the upside of this game environment, even though, no, he's not like a particularly flashy play, but I don't care. He's not expensive. He's not going to be highly owned. And he plays in one of the best game environments of the, of the week in terms of game total. Yeah, not only that, but Green Bay, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It hasn't exactly been the strongest defense. They're slightly below average in yards per pass attempt allowed to opposing signal callers. The same goes for the run. So I think the overall game environment does set up well for Cousins. And you mentioned it. We really like the condensed target share. I think you can run Thielen or Jefferson, and we'll talk about them later. Both, I think, are contrarian stacking options with a 2% quarterback that could make some sense. There's also very clear runback options on Green Bay if you want to go the full game stack route. So we've talked about a lot of plays we like. I mean, we did hit on Mahomes, and maybe Mahomes has a fade solely because of his price. I, I think just at 9200 on FanDuel, he's a little bit cost prohibitive for the rest of your lineup. You start talking about stacks with him, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and it becomes a little bit cost prohibitive. Is there anyone else you're maybe looking to fade on this slate? Yeah, I think uh, at this point, I'm just coming in on a, a fade of the Browns game, both Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr. I just think in the exact same price range, a play like Kirk Cousins is simply like, but probably even just from a raw projection point, as good, if not a better play, let alone for the fact that he's going to see, you know, a fifth, a sixth of the ownership. Whereas like, Baker Mayfield versus Derek Carr won neither of these quarterbacks. Like Derek Carr has been efficient this year, but he hasn't had any blow up games. Baker Mayfield has been wildly inefficient up to the point of last week, throwing, I think five touchdowns, but both of these teams run at below average pace. The Browns are the second most run heavy team in the NFL and quietly uh, at Cleveland. This game is supposed to feature like a ton of wind, like 20 mile an hour wind. So this is a, a game that I think I'm fine with just targeting one offs from the game, specifically on the Brown side with some chalk running backs. And we'll get to, but uh, I'm probably just full out fading, you know, the passing attacks in Baker Mayfield versus Derek Carr, I'd much rather pivot to, uh, you know, a Kirk Cousins type quarterback. Yeah, it makes sense. As you allude to the Cleveland running back situation, let's go there. But before we get there, you guys can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all of the projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. Only looking to play NFL? Then sign up now for our weekly NFL package for only $14.95 or give our NFL weekly express pass a shot for $3.95. You can also get an Osmo Plus Platinum Weekly Pass for just 1031 when you use promo code PUMPKIN at checkout. Get it, PUMPKIN? Tis the season. That's nearly $20 off the original price. This package includes full access to all Osmo Plus features, including player projections, ownership projections, and our premium Slack channel, lineup builder, and much more. That offer, of course, valid through Halloween, hence the promo code PUMPKIN. So check it out. One of the big tools ownership, which we're talking about today, you'll get that in the promo. So check it out. As we get to running back, you alluded to it. You you mentioned you might be eating some chalk in the Cleveland backfield. We're really seeing, again, a top-heavy sort of barbell structure for ownership on Fandle this week. Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara are the only two runners projected north of 20% ownership. Give me the spiel on Kareem Hunt. Why are you willing to eat this chalk? Yeah, I mean, he he's a three down back as a home favorite in a game that like, especially like if we like if we get high winds, which maybe seems small, but like there is like some correlation between like particularly high wind totals and uh, wind totals, wind totals. And 
and uh, lowered passing efficiency, this is a game that we could just see the the Browns continue to do what they've done all season because they've been winning in most of their games is run the football. They run at the second highest rate and they don't have any other back really taking away a ton of work from Kareem Hunt. He also gets it done as a pass catcher. I think he's averaging just a handful of targets, but that's mostly because they've been winning for most of their games with Kareem Hunt in the lineup. So if he's going to get 15 to 20 carries, he's going to face the Raiders in a game with a reasonable total. The Browns have like a top five, at least when the line's open, they had like a top five implied team total on the slate. That's a lot of red zone work. That's a lot of overall carries. It's a positive game script. Basically, everything sets up for 8,200 Kareem Hunt to be one of the best values on the slate. So I think I'm fine eating a bit of Kareem Hunt chalk. I'll look to get different elsewhere. You could play, you know, Browns defense could be in play, or you could just stack somewhere else. Like, I think if you're playing Kareem Hunt, you're probably not playing any either of the passing attacks in this game. That already gets you off of some of the mid-range chalk. It's not crazy chalk, but it gets you off of some of the mid-range chalk. If you, in conjunction, you know, say you play that as Kareem Hunt, Browns defense as a one-off, you can get different by playing, you know, Kirk Cousins, who we've talked about at length. You don't have to get, you know, 1% plays across the board. Kareem Hunt is chalk. I'm fine with eating in the right lineup. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and I do think there is going to be a fairly chalky build if we do not get any injury news. I think it's going to be Kareem Hunt, a cheaper back, and then one of two really expensive backs. We're looking at a lot of ownership coming in on Kamara. Makes sense. He's 9K. He's Alvin Kamara. And then we have Derek Henry at 9,500 coming in about 6% less owned than Kamara, but overall still the third most owned back on the entire slate. This is FanDuel specific, so a little bit more nuanced than DraftKings as far as the decision between Kamara and Derek Henry. Do you have a lean between these two in the upper echelon of the pricing tier? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think there is definitely much more of a conversation, whereas like when we go on a drafting show, I just kind of rag on Derrick Henry. If he's going to be 6% lower, like he's very expensive. So I think it takes a very specific lineup to to get to him. And because of that, I probably still won't have a ton, but I'm not going like full crazy fade on Derrick Henry in a spot that should be good for him. He's a favorite against a team that passes a lot. That means they can easily get a lot of like low, low time spent three and outs because they can just go multiple incompletions. Derrick Henry with the ball in his hands has been, you know, dominant dating back to the beginning of last year for the, I guess it was more the middle of last year, but 9,500 is expensive. And that's the, the only issue for me really reaching, you know, a 20% ownership rate on him. Alvin Kamara at 9k is, is a far better value. I think he is our number one value based on our overall projections, but the ownership reflects that. So I think I'll probably be just more lukewarm and maybe looking to get off of both Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry potentially. And the New Orleans Chicago game isn't like a, a crazy shootout potential. I at least don't think with Chicago on the other side of the ball. So I don't mind actually getting an entirely different roster construction and not full fading, but having a, a lot of lineups or at least some exposure to lineups that fade all of the running back chalk because the running back chalk is so expensive. So maybe it's not as much that I'm going Derrick Henry over Alvin Kamara is both of these guys just fall into a range where they're so expensive. They need 25 points to really pay off. I think I can get that from a guy like Jonathan Taylor from potentially even some cheaper backs like a Clyde or Slayer. If maybe they don't have to pull him in the second half, Dalvin cook right now, 9,200. If I'm paying up, that's a very interesting proposition. He's, he's only going to be less than 10% owned. Is there any difference between a Dalvin cook and a Derrick Henry between a Dalvin cook and an Alvin Kamara? Sure. Like a few more runs from, from Derrick Henry, a few more pass catches from Alvin Kamara. But if you're telling me I can like I can cut off 17 to 10 percent of the field by playing as so I think it's like, uh, yeah, 17 or 11 percent of the field by playing Dalvin Cook over these guys. I think in tournaments that pivot makes a ton of sense. For sure. And the chats on this, too. Damien was the first to bring it up. Dalvin nice. Cook at 7 percent. 
I mean, what else needs to be said? The guy's averaging (laughs) 21.2 touches per game. If we look to his last three games, touch counts of 25, 29, and 22, a decent amount of those coming in the past game, five targets in his most recent game. Minnesota is one of these teams that is going to run the ball regardless of game script. They're not exactly fast as an offense, but they're passing just 53% of the time. And a lot of that driven by negative game script, which they project to face here. But we like Dalvin Cook because he's not going to be phased out of the game. He's a strong pass catcher, and he's certainly going to receive his touches similar to a Derrick Henry. So when we're getting him in a fraction of the ownership, he's also someone I, I really like in this range. I think we'll have to wait through the rest of the week to maybe see what opens up as far as value and leverage. Again, Giovanni Bernard sits at 5,900 on FanDuel. Jamal Williams sits at 7K. Right now, we're seeing some ownership come through on, you know, if we're just looking at the the cheaper backs, Daryl Henderson projects for some ownership. You know, David Montgomery is actually a top five owned back at 5,800, which is kind of egregious to me. Like, I think if we get Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams open up value, like I, I believe personally that David Montgomery's ownership is going to plummet. Are we in agreement on this? Uh, probably. We were probably in agreement on that. I hope people still want to play David Montgomery. I hope they look at Giovanni Bernard and think like, oh, well, David Montgomery's got the draft capital. He's younger. I'm going to play him because I just can't see him getting it done. Like, like he has some pass catching upside, but really all he does is get like just a handful of out of the backfield checkdowns. He's not like this dynamic receiver like Alvin Kamara. And on on FanDuel's format, where simply catching the ball isn't going to get a ton done, he's he's not uh, he doesn't give you a ton of value as a pass catcher. Like I, if I'm looking at pass catchers, I want guys who actually like can move the chains. It's mostly Alvin Kamara. There are a few other backs that kind of fit that mold. David Montgomery is getting like empty calorie touches out of the backfield, both as a runner because his team doesn't score many points, and as a receiver. So I hope people play him because I'll probably have zero exposure to him. Cheap guy, I want to throw out your way. I assume like our ownership seems to already be accounting for this, so it's good that we can talk about it. Carlos Hyde as a home favored running back, assuming we don't see Chris Carson and assuming we do see Carlos Hyde, because I know he's dealing with, I think it's a, it's a minor like calf or, or something strain. He's expected to play per my understanding and Chris Carson is not. So I'll talk about it as if that is the case. Home favored running back in a game with a high total. I don't see why Carlos Hyde at 5K isn't even like one of the chalkiest running backs of the slate. Maybe it's still that people are concerned with the injury, which we'll stay up to date on that. But assuming we can talk about it as if he is going to play, I think he's probably the, one of the best values on the slate and one of the ways I've talked about potentially being able to get different by paying down at running back. He's really interesting. This is a question I'm going to throw back your way. So Carlos Hyde handled four targets out of the backfield last week. That's not Carlos Hyde's game. Typically, he's been forced into that role on occasion throughout his career. Handles 19 touches in Chris Carson's absence. We also saw Travis Homer get dinged up in that game here too. Yeah. If Travis Homer plays, are you less interested in Hyde? And maybe we can even spin this to DJ Dallas, who's a pass catching back or rookie coming out of Miami, who does have that skill set. If, you know what, DJ Dallas should be healthy. If it's Carlos Hyde and DJ Dallas in the backfield, let's ignore Travis Homer for a second. Are you still interested in Hyde? Yeah, I'm still mostly interested in Hyde, not because uh, like I definitely think it doesn't help his projection. Let's say if Travis Homer's in, it doesn't help. If he's not, it's maybe a target or two more. I don't think that's necessarily why you're playing Hyde. I think you're playing Hyde because you think you can get three, four like goal, like goal line, at least like five or six red zone looks in a single game because the game has a 54 point total because Seattle has a 28 and a half implied team total. I think that is like top uh, like number three or four on the main slate. That is a lot of points being scored. If, you know, just for whatever reason, Tyler Lockett gets taken down at two or three, he doesn't catch every single ball thrown its way and go for 200 yards. That is a lot of 
of touchdown upside specifically, which on FanDuel becomes even more important because I'm not hunting for receptions. I'm not hunting for the 100-yard bonus. On FanDuel, if you give me two touchdowns at 5K, you're almost locked into the optimal lineup. If he's like, he, he should, assuming he plays, and even if Homer does play, assuming Carlos Hyde plays, I think he just should be the chalk of the chalk. It's a perfect spot for him. I get Seattle's pass more this year, but they're still not passing at like a league high rate. I think at 5K, he's just kind of a player who I might be comfortable lock buttoning. I don't know if I'm with you on the lock button, but I think you did talk me into some Carlos Hyde. And most of it's going to come from the game environment and leverage. We're talking GPP specifically. So Carlos Hyde at his price, which is just 5K, he's he's slightly above the stone mint. In a game environment where they're it's the highest over-under on the slate, they're going up against San Francisco in a game where Seattle definitely projects to score points. We've seen this in situations before. We like the passing game a ton. If they get inside the five-yard line, it's going to be Carlos Hyde in the red zone. I think we can all agree on that. So I think for that reason, he's going to provide some leverage in the pass game in GPPs, and I'd be willing to look to him there. There's some interesting fade candidates this week, and we talked about a couple already, David Montgomery being, you know, where we're talking this cheap price range. David Montgomery seems like he's the player we want to fade, and it's not only just because we have options like, Maybe Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams open up some salary. I think even if they don't, we have players like Daryl Henderson, who's in a good matchup against Miami. There is an argument for DeAndre Swift taking on more of a role in Detroit. There's the two LA backs as huge favorites over Denver. We're talking the, the LA Chargers, that is. So I don't think we need to get locked into David Montgomery, a top five ownership. I'm with you on that. Is there anyone else you're looking to fade at the running back position? So a guy we haven't talked about a lot and probably just because he's not like awfully interesting as a player, at least at this point in his career, is Jonathan Taylor. He's on the road. But I do think they're favored in that game. He's only 7,300. And that's the real draw to him is that he could have a very large role and he's only 7,300. But I just like I don't see Indianapolis putting up a ton of points because they really haven't done that on occasion. And although like a, like a quarterback's talent isn't like directly affecting Jonathan Taylor. I'd much rather all things considered play a running back like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who sure we could see Le'Veon Bell steal work from him and Jonathan Taylor doesn't have that threat on the ground, but I would rather have an offense that can go up and down the field and get their running back in scoring situations like Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is undoubtedly like 10 times less talented than Jonathan Taylor. If his offense is going to take three more trips to the red zone, I do not care how talented they are. I'm not sure how many trips to the red zone we see from Jonathan Taylor. He hasn't been a scoring machine up to this point. So I'm not sure we see that going forward. He's a guy who at right now top five ownership, and that probably does hold, unlike David Montgomery. I'll probably be under the field on him specifically. Yeah, I think that makes sense. There's a couple other names I'm going to throw your way. Clyde Edwards Hilarious won, and it's not because Kansas City is a huge home favorite against the Jets. That is certainly working in Clyde Edwards Hilarious' favor. But we saw Le'Veon Bell, I think, a little more involved than I was anticipating. The, the t- yeah. carry counts were nine to six in favor of Carlos Hyde, and excuse me, in favor of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And that's not ideal. And in a game where it's we not. might see a blowout, do they do they get Le'Veon Bell more involved? I honestly don't know. So at that price range, I'm more willing to take a stab on a guy like Taylor or just even pay a cheaper price altogether. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Another player who is sort of like mini Derrick Henry to me is Josh Jacobs. And again, he's in this price range of the upper 7K range. In the spot, I'm likely just going to go to plays like Kareem Hunt. But the concerns with Josh Jacobs are similar to that of Derrick Henry, where we have a, a running back whose game is not built around pass catching. When they're down in games, they're often taking Jacobs off the field. And his target volume hasn't been terrible this year. He's getting around four, three or four targets a game. But when they're in severe trail mode, Josh Jacobs often isn't on the field. And that's a major concern for me. What do you make of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jacobs before we move on? Yeah, I don't, I don't hate Edwards Hilaire, but I definitely am concerned because, like, right off the bat, we saw a decent amount of Le'Veon Bell. So at 7,500, I just think you're hoping that he scores one of the first three touchdowns they put up in the first 10 minutes of the game because if he doesn't get there early, it might not be happening. And even if he, like, does have a good game, he does need 7,500. He does need, like, probably multiple touchdowns or a really big rushing game, and Le'Veon Bell could limit that. The only thing is he's like on the fringes of top 10 ownership. He looks like he might just be outside the top 10. So because of that, I don't think uh, like, I don't think he's a terrible play. Josh Jacobs, like you said, if he is, if his team is trailing and they are on the road in a spot where they're obviously projected to lose because they're on the road and Cleveland's been a pretty good team so far at 7,800, how many chances is he going to get to carry the ball? Because if they are losing early, I don't see him getting worked in a ton as a pass catcher. And that still caps his touchdown upside as well, because a lot of his touchdown upside comes as a between the tackles runner. So Josh Jacobs, another guy, you know, he's in that same ownership rate as Clyde Hilaire. So I don't think you're making some strident stand by fading him, but I simply just don't think he's a guy given the game environment that is going to work his way into many of my lineups where I could at least consider playing some Clyde Hilaire, mostly because he's, Probably like I'm caging this a lot because I truly don't know what we're going to see from Le'Veon Bell because he already saw so much work relative to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in their first game. But he does have a massive team total. He's at home. He's favored. A lot of touchdown equity for him potentially, but there is a lot of downside risk. I agree with you. Uh, one more question before we move on positions and then we, we got to stay on track before we get behind. What do we make of Melvin Gordon? There's a question from the chat. A couple people are interested in Melvin Gordon from Denver. Philip Lindsay has a concussion. Yeah, Philip Lindsay, I don't think he's cleared concussion protocol yet. A handful of guys haven't, and all of them seem to be uh, slated to miss this week. So assuming he doesn't play, we should see a ton of Melvin Gordon because Royce Freeman is essentially a zero. He's a guy who even when Melvin Gordon is not playing, they don't get him involved at all. And when Philip Lindsay isn't playing, he doesn't get much run as the backup. So Melvin Gordon should have some of the best market share numbers in terms of market share of rush attempts and targets out of the backfield in the entire league this week. They have no competition for him that they're comfortable using. That being said, he has an incredibly low team total. His quarterback has shown a complete inability to put points on the board and put him in scoring positions. I would only use him as a potential way to make my Justin Herbert stacks more correlated because I don't love the passing game. If I'm targeting Denver, I guess it's with a running back. I'm only using him as a way to get very different in tournament lineups. He's projected to be, I don't know, around about 2% ownership. That's not a lot. He's not crazy expensive, but I think he only makes sense as a specific correlation play because on his own right, no, I just don't want to play Denver players. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I It looks like from, from News God in the chat, Lindsay returned to practice, but he still will have to clear protocol. So yes. Maybe okay. we see him, maybe we don't. If we see Lindsay, Gordon's out of the picture for me. But guys, hit that, hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Helps us a ton over at Osmo. We also have some free stuff for you. If you head to the good old Twitter.com and check out the pinned tweet at Osmo underscore com, you can enter our Thursday night giveaway to win a year of Osmo plus NFL. Just follow the instructions on the graphic and predict whether Matt Ryan or Teddy Bridgewater will throw for more yards tonight. One random winner will be selected among the correct guesses. Be sure to check out our giveaway on at Osmo under, 
underscore com Instagram handle as well to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Make sure you follow those instructions. They are all on the graphic and good luck. Heading over to the wide receiver position. This is really interesting and I don't think we've seen a week like this yet this year. We have two wide receivers that are just mega chalk, like the chalk of the chalk in Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett. Devontae Adams, nearly 27% ownership. Lockett is at 24. Once we get past Lockett and Adams, the next highest owned receiver is 13%. So we have a 24% down to 13% between the second and third highest owned wide receivers. What are we doing with Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett? Just the chalk of the chalk at this point in the week. Yeah, this is, I agree. It's such a, a very weird scenario where at least there is a bit of a gradual drop off where we get like the 18% at running back. It is these two guys or bus. And I do think like the price discrepancy, I think is even like wider here than it is on DraftKings in terms of the DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett split. So I do think it's an interesting proposition where you're going to have DK Metcalf lower owned, but he's still, he's not on People know DK Metcalf is good. He's still leading the team in air yards, like 179 air yards gap between him and Tyler Lockett. I think he's an okay leverage play on his own right, though. Tyler Lockett at 7,200 is the better play, and the ownership reflects that. Devontae Adams at 9,100 is really interesting. And even though Jamal Williams has been priced up, his team is home favored. I think Jamal Williams, assuming Aaron Jones doesn't play, it doesn't. I don't think it looks incredibly likely. So assuming Aaron Jones doesn't play, Jamal Williams with the price up may not end up being that popular, but should see... 60 to 70 percent of the backfield carries i think he would make an interesting leverage play off Devonte adams i don't think you need to go full fade on Devonte adams i would just focus on if you're playing him building in extra correlation to your lineups because there are going to be a lot of Devonte adams one-off lineups i want to if i'm playing that chalk find ways to get unique with that Devonte adams i'd probably need to play him i think he actually makes a lot of sense in those kirk cousins stacks we were talking about because no one's playing kirk cousins i think you can gain a lot of leverage by using him as the run back or if you're not playing this game as a game stack, using Jamal Williams to leverage Devontae Adams. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we're, we're not saying fade Devontae Adams. He's a he's going to be a great play, but you also have to take into consideration this guy is going to be in a lot of lineups. And how are you building correlations around him? How are you getting unique around him? Those are questions you need to ask yourself if you decide to play Devontae Adams, arguably one of the best plays on the entire slate. Let's talk this 10% to 13% range. This is the flat range that is semi-chalk, we'll call it. There's 11 wide receivers in this range. It's Stefan Diggs, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, and maybe Allen Robinson if he clears protocol. That's a lot of wide receivers jammed between the 10 to 13% range, but none of them are super chalk. Is there one of them that you think should be higher owned that you are going to be over the field on? Yeah, it's Keenan Allen. And we talked about him on the DraftKings show because he's so vastly underpriced over there. This is still underpriced. The volume he's seeing is not that much different than Devontae Adams. It truly isn't. He's averaging over 13 targets per game in the games he actually finishes with Justin Herbert because we throw out the one game where he got two targets and left with back spasms. 13 targets per game. Those are it's no different than Devontae Adams. I think maybe it is it is definitely a less less viable game environment versus Denver, a game with a lower total. I like Justin Herbert, but I will say anytime I target a game with Denver, I feel less excited. With that being said, I get to save seventeen hundred dollars. I get to chop away 14 percent ownership and I still get to get probably the same amount of targets. Keenan Allen in this price range. Sure, he's not as much of a value as he is, say, on DraftKings. 
I don't care. He's probably still a value. He's a guy who who projects like an 8K player and he's only 7.4 and he's still going to be outside the top five in ownership. Keenan Allen for me in this range, I don't need to stack the Chargers even to get to him. I think he's a fine one-off play. He's fine in Charger stacks. It's really just the volume you get with Allen right now is so incredible that 7.4K is not enough. No, it's not. And he is a 30.5% target share and he only played two drives in one of his games this year. If we look to his most recent healthy games, he has target counts of 10, 19, 12, and 13. Just ridiculous volume for Keenan Allen at essentially just a complete mispricing. Now, I, I want to get your take on another situation here because it's one of the biggest discrepancies we're seeing between DraftKings and FanDuel. On DraftKings, we have basically A.J. Green priced as a value receiver. He's going to be mega chalk over there. But FanDuel did a little bit of a better job, I think, pricing T. Higgins and A.J. Green in the same range. For that reason, we're actually seeing T. Higgins draw more ownership here. With the pricing, which they're almost identical in pricing, is there one you prefer out of this? Are you going to take A.J. Green for leverage just because he's lower owned between T. Higgins and Green? How are you approaching the Bengals? Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's, it's one of the spots where like I like Keenan Allen on both sites. On, on DraftKings, I don't know. A.J. Green, he's going to be chalky. He's cheap. He's not going to be chalky. He's going to be super low owned, even if our projections are off by four or five percent, six, seven percent even. He's not going to come up to the ownership that Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins are. So I think he is an awesome leverage play on FanDuel because it's like I said with like a Keenan Allen versus Devontae Adams. Is there much of a difference between T. Higgins and AJ Green? No. Like these are guys who traded off roles throughout the year. We saw AJ Green rack up a ton of air yards early and not do much. In the past two weeks, he is number one in air yards and he's top 10 in receiving yards. So he's actually playing well. I believe he's seen 24 targets in the past two weeks. That's more than T. Higgins. T. Higgins is more expensive and going to be more popular. Like I don't get what people are doing. I get AJ Green looked dusty earlier in the year. He looks perfectly fine now. He's getting a ton of volume and he's going to be low owned. Everything seems set up for like him to be the ideal leverage play. Yeah, I actually don't mind A.J. Green in the spot, and I'm just holding my breath thinking about putting A.J. Green into lineups <laughs> at this point because, I mean, A.J. Green has mixed in one-target games. Like, he's one of the most volatile receivers in the NFL. Yeah. The main reason I think you like A.J. Green and really anyone in the Cincinnati passing attack is just how frequently they're throwing, which gives them all viability, even though none of their target shares are, you know, in the Keenan Allen range. They all see a good, fair amount of targets in the offense. One last guy in this sort of, 10 to 13 ownership range that I want to get your take on is, is Brandon Ayuk. And he's in a fantastic game environment against Seattle. They lost Debo Samuel. We have George Kittle, who's also projecting for immense ownership. I've had some trouble clicking Brandon Ayuk's name and it's not because I don't think he's a good player or anything, but just even when Debo Samuel was out earlier in the year, we never really saw this guy pull off a, a big ceiling performance. Am I wrong for thinking about a Brandon Ayuk fade? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. Because I was looking at the same, like for the exact same price. What if I told you? What if I told you for the exact same price you could get, and for slightly lower ownership, just below that 10% threshold, I think. No, exactly the 10% threshold. You could get Marquise Brown seeing 45% of Lamar Jackson air yards, or you could take like gadget player Brandon Ayuk. And it's not that I don't like Brandon Ayuk, but we just haven't seen him from him yet. Where like we have seen Marquise Brown get the requisite volume of an like an alpha field stretcher. Brandon Ayuk has simply not seen that yet. And if we can say the field is projecting him to take on his role plus Debo Samuel's role, I'm just going to fade that because we don't know what's going to happen. We do have a good sample on Marquise Brown being one of the most used field stretchers in the league. So I think at that, you know, at that ownership, at that price, there are better plays who are going to be less popular. It looks like the chat is on Kendrick Bourne a little bit. Kendrick Bourne 
is 5K. I think the reason we're not seeing Kendrick Bourne with ownership, and he, Kendrick Bourne does project for a modest amount of ownership on DraftKings. He does not on FanDuel because he's only 800 cheaper than Brandon Ayuk. So I think that's the reason people are just like, well, Brandon Ayuk's going to be the wide receiver one. I'll just play Brandon Ayuk, which maybe that's good process. Maybe it's not. I think I'm going to fade them both. And if I'm playing a San Francisco pass catcher, it's probably Kittle, but we'll get to that in just a second here before we move to tight end. Now, before we do that, there's a couple other leverage plays I want to talk at wide receiver. I think Deontay Johnson is not appropriately priced really on either side. He's 6.2 K here draws a tough matchup in that same Baltimore game, but he's a guy that has an absolutely ridiculous target share when he's on the field. And we always have to worry about him leaving the field, but he has double digit targets in every single game he's played most of the time. Can we look to Deontay Johnson? And is there really anyone else you're looking to for leverage in this spot at wide receiver, maybe a low owned guy you have your eye on. Yeah, I mean, Deontay Johnson is the one. He is absolutely the one. He's gone over double-digit targets in every single game that he has finished or even come close to finishing. He missed, like, the final drive or so. He only played about 77% of snaps for the final Pittsburgh game versus Tennessee or the most recent one. Still got, I believe, 14 targets. He's averaging 12.7 targets in those games that he's finished. He has been the true alpha number one receiver, and he's just not priced like that. It's similar to the Keenan Allen thing, but their pricing is even farther behind on him, and he's going to be way lower owned than I think he should be based on the volume he's seeing. And I think maybe uh, maybe I can sell you if you're not super interested in or if you're, you're a little bit worried about the game script or the game environment of the Pittsburgh versus Baltimore game. Can we at least agree that we can play some some secondary stacks of Marquise Brown versus Deontay Johnson, two guys who in different ways get the ball a ton? I think that is probably a really interesting leverage play on the slate. Mike Williams, I think, is okay at 5,900, mostly because I have interest in Justin Herbert, and we've seen them throw touchdowns to like everyone but these guys dating back to that New Orleans game where I think he did have two scores. I mean, are we going to continue to see like Jalen Guyton, Virgil Green, and maybe Joe Reed? Ty- Tyron Johnson? I don't know. I It's hard to remember these guys' names because they play so little compared to a guy like Mike Williams. I think at some point that simply regresses, and the guys who are on the field the most when your quarterback is throwing multiple touchdowns a game are going to catch those touchdowns. So Mike Williams in my Justin Herbert stacks is going to be a mainstay. For You said you couldn't remember their names. I think you got them all. You Did you I? Got all? Yeah, I think you got them all. I, don't, I didn't name Donald Parham, but that's because he's not a random guy to me. He's a hero to me. Donald Parham, former XFL superstar. Yep, we went there. But Donald Parham, unfortunately, is not a tight end we'll be targeting. And let's use that as a good segue to talk some Hunter Henry. But first, before we get there, more free stuff at Osmo. Of course, there's, there's free stuff every single day on the site. Today, you can look at NFL showdown rankings. There's NFL Express top stacks, MMA rankings. That is all free. We also have a phenomenal free tool in Odd Shopper. If you haven't checked this out, go for it. I like it personally for player props. You can literally type in a player's name and it does all the work for you. No searching around different books. You can literally see the best possible price across books. It saves me a ton of time in my process and it's a huge way to help build your bankroll. Why would you not want to go and find the best line you possibly can on these player props? So head to Osmo Odd Shopper to browse a number of the top books and find the right bet for you. That's oddshopper.osmo.com. You can sign up there also to track your bets for free. You can get alerts when bets hit a certain price. And all of that, the best of all, is free. So make sure you check that out. Also, about 130 of you in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for Kyle and myself. It helps us a ton. It is the best way to support the channel just for free. Subscribe as well. Any interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, my burning money? Absolutely not. He's in a phenomenal game environment. And while we're on the Jimmy Garoppolo subject, 
there's three chalky tight ends. Interestingly enough, they are three of the most expensive tight ends on the slate. We have Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle all between 19 and 21% ownership. Am I crazy? Do I want to eat this or this George Kittle chalk? I don't really see a lot of paths to the other San Francisco pass catchers having a, a phenomenal game here. I think George Kittle's my favorite of the expensive tight ends. Do you see this a different way? Are you fading them all? Are you willing to eat a little bit of the chalk for each and every one of them? Yeah, so I think when, like like I've talked about before, I'm just looking for ways that these guys can fail, and any player can fail in any myriad of ways, whether it be injury, bad game environment, whatever. But some players probably do, based on how they score or based on their game environment, have higher probabilities of really failing and killing the players or killing the DFS players who roster their you know, real NFL players. I think Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey would be the two most likely to have paths to failing because I think this could be a, a trap spot in terms of the ownership. I don't really care about betting trap spot, but just a spot where he goes over owned relative to Las Vegas's chances of putting up a lot of points. Travis Kelsey, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe his team puts up too much points, and if he doesn't get one of the early ones, doesn't end up getting any of the points. George Kittle, on the other hand, is in the greatest game environment. His team is projected to be an underdog against like the worst passing defense in the league. Now they're without their number one receiver. He's 200 cheaper and slightly less owned than both Travis, slightly less owned than both Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, 200 cheaper than Travis Kelsey. I agree. I think he is the player who out of all these chalky and high priced tight ends, I'm going to be the most over the field on him. I don't think I'm downright fading Travis Kelsey. I still think he has been a, a monstrous touchdown producer. So the odds that they score three or four, get up early and get to bench their players, but he still plays well are decent. I don't think it's a perfect spot for him, but I still think he could and probably should be the guy who scores at least one of their early touchdowns. Darren Waller, you know, we'll talk about fades later, probably the guy who is least exciting to me out of the big three, George Kittle the most. And it's kind of by a wide margin. You can talk fades. Tell me why you don't like Darren Waller. Yeah, it's simply that I, I think the it's not a great spot. He's on the road in a game that doesn't set up to be a great passing game because of the, like the literal weather. And the Browns' defense, while they've given up a lot of passing yards, they have created a ton of turnovers. They have got their like top ten in sacks, number one in takeaways, and they play slow football. They run the ball a lot and they play like slow seconds per game, as does or seconds per play, as does Las Vegas as well. So, I think just the the excitement about playing Raiders. Anytime I see that, I will probably fade it. And I think the opportunity costs are quite high because I don't want to fade George, George Kittle, even if he does cost me a little bit more in terms of my actual salary. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's not a ton more. It's just $900 more on yeah. FanDuel. I, we do always have to ask the question with FanDuel specifically, we don't see the same barbell pricing structure that we do on DraftKings where there's a couple guys extremely expensive and then there's a couple players down in this bargain bin range for pricing. On FanDuel, like I think one of the cheapest viable tight ends is Irv Smith, and he's 4,500. Like that's not a huge difference between George Kittle at the top and Irv Smith at the bottom. And when we look to this middle range, are you comfortable taking a guy like Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry's just about 1K cheaper than Darren Waller. So he's in a similar price range, just a little bit less expensive than some of your Kelsey's, your Kittles. Are you ever getting to that middle range? Do you have any interest in a guy like Hunter Henry? Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting to the middle range a ton. There are not a lot of awesome middle range plays like, like Jared Cook, Jared Cook, 5,800. Like I know I've talked about not liking Darren Waller. If you're playing Jared Cook at 5,800, please find somewhere in your lineup to save $1,000 and play Darren Waller. And that, that should tell you how I feel about Jared Cook because I don't even like Darren Waller <laughs> that much. You know, find the roundabout 2K and get up to Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. I think the same thing, like, like Jonu Smith for $700 more, play Darren Waller. And I don't even like Darren Waller. So 
Hunter Henry, probably the only guy priced below 6K that I think has a, a reasonable, it's not a great, but a reasonable chance of outscoring the likes of Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle, not because he's getting a ton of work, but he's averaging seven targets per game with Justin Herbert in the lineup. Justin Herbert has been absolutely dealing, and they do have a, a reasonable implied team total. They're favorites, they're on the road, but they are favorites. So I think because we're going to see such lowered ownership on everyone outside of the big three, I'm comfortable going over the field on one to two of these guys, Hunter Henry being my favorite of them. But I think it's just more of how I allocate my ownership to the top guys with, you know, obviously my fade being Darren Waller. I feel comfortable going over the field on Kittle, Kelsey, one guy who is in that price range, but not in that ownership range. How do you feel about Mark Andrews? I know it's a game that you're not like crazy on. Do you have any interest in just the pure leverage play of paying up for in that same price range, a much less owned play in Mark Andrews? I don't dislike that game. It's I think it's good contrarian. I was just trying to poke holes in your argument, just play yes. play devil's advocate. I actually think it's a pretty decent spot for GPPs if we're we're being real here. And Mark Andrews, I mean, he does have the clear upside to be priced in that range with Waller, Kelsey, Kittle. He's not in that price range because he hasn't shown it. You're a lot of that falling on the inefficiencies of Baltimore's offense, and they've largely just largely just played in a lot of bad games. Like they've blown the bricks off a couple of opponents this year, and they haven't needed to just feed Marquise Brown, feed Mark Andrews targets. Does that happen in this game? It certainly projects to be more competitive against Pittsburgh. So I, I don't hate that spot at all. I think it's at least worth mentioning. I guess before we completely move on from tight end, is there a punt you like? This is mainly a DraftKings strategy where you can really get cheap leverage plays at tight end and you don't often need them to score well. On FanDuel, it's not exactly like that, but you still can help your line out a little bit by taking a punt at the tight end position. Is there someone that catches your eye? Yeah, you brought it up briefly earlier. I'll just double down on it. Irv Smith is like the only sub 5K guy that I really have any interest in because like even Harrison Bryant got priced up to 5K. Irv Smith getting five targets in back-to-back -back games, running over 30 routes in back-to-back -back games as underdogs in a game that should feature a lot of scoring. I don't love the punt play on FanDuel because like you said, there is just like, there is not that massive discrepancy, especially with having more salary to spend between Irv Smith at 45 and, you know, Darren Waller at 68 or, or Hunter Henry even at 56. So don't love him. But if he's going to be 1% owned, I will probably be over the field on Irv Smith, if only because I'm going to be over the field on Kirk Cousins. So I think by that, you know, by that merit, the uh, transitive property of stacking, probably going to be over the field on Irv Smith. He saved me, saves me some money, not as much as I'd like because of the FanDuel pricing, but he saves me some money is good correlation with his quarterback and his volume has been rising in recent weeks. Yeah, I like Irv Smith. I actually like Irv Smith as a potential leverage play off someone who projects to be higher owned in Harrison Bryant, who's actually more expensive. And Harrison Bryant filled in admirably for, for Austin Hooper, who had the emergency appendectomy. I'm not sure we see him play. It certainly doesn't look like it at this point. I don't think so, no. Yeah, so if we if we don't see Hooper, we should get more Harrison Bryant. The concerns with him are his snap share was fairly high, but he blocked a lot. His route rate was just north of 50%. That's worse than Irv Smith's, and they saw the exact same target volume. A lot of people in chat are bringing up the weather in Cleveland, and they're saying 27-mile-per-hour winds. If that's the case, I am certainly not playing Harrison Bryant. We're assuming <laughs> normal weather conditions for the, the topic of this show. Uh, John o. Smith, easy tight end winner, is another another tight end that's coming up a lot in the chat. Kyle and I have been on this since like the start of the year. John o. Smith is not running a lot of routes. He's running a route on like 60% of dropbacks and he had a season low in route rate this past week. It dropped below 50%. And I don't know if that was injury related. He came into the week banged up, but John o. Smith has not been a full-time player in this past catching core. He's catching a lot of touchdowns and he's seeing a high 
targets per route run, but it makes them volatile. And when we're talking FanDuel specifically, and we're in this mid-tier range, I'm just not willing to pay up that salary and then not get a Kittle, a Kelsey, or a Waller. If I'm yep. going all the way up to John U. Smith, I'm playing one of the top three. And are we in agreement on that? What do you make of John U. Smith? You laid it out perfectly. If you're paying up for 6,100 Johnny Smith, if he was like, I think on DraftKings, his price is actually down to a reasonable price. Johnny Smith, that is not the case on FanDuel. They still have him priced in that same tier. He's not that far off from a guy like Darren Waller, who again, I don't like like Darren Waller, but he's a perfect example of if you're going to pay up 6K, find the extra money and get to 6,800. I'd personally rather go up to another, like add another thousand to my tight end allocation and get a George Kittle. But yeah, for an extra 1,600, you are getting more than just that 1600 when you move up from Jonu Smith to George Kittle. Same thing, an extra 1800 for Travis Kelsey. It's simply that his pricing is just still reflective of an unsustainable touchdown production. Yeah, Calvin in the chat clarifies he was looking specifically at DK. So yeah, like Kyle mentioned, on DK, he's far, far okay, reliable. He's, fine. On, he's a good play on DK, but on a, a FanDuel-specific show, sorry if it seemed like we were we were coming after your tight end play. He's a, he's a bit <laughs> expensive on FanDuel specifically. Uh, before we head out of here, Kyle, we generally wrap this up with bold calls. There's one thing I want to get your take on before we we get there. It's more just slate-wide strategy, and it's going to have to do with this Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams news that we may or may not get. And I want to touch on this because we missed it last week. Of course, we had no idea of knowing whether Aaron Jones or Mixon were going to play. They both missed the game, and it opened up just immense chalk. How are you approaching these two players and maybe even a guy like we could throw Carlos Hyde in there, someone who we might get late injury news on. I just want to get your take on how you think this changes the layout of the slate if we get the news. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see how that affects things because one, I think like if it were to be possible, we could see even more ownership on the expensive chalk tight end. So maybe it does make me get to an interesting build where like Russell Wilson builds could become very viable. Like like right now, I'm okay on Russell Wilson. He's quite expensive. If I'm paying down for like a, a modestly priced Giovanni Bernard, I feel more comfortable spending at tight end or spending at quarterback. So I think it does shift the ownership up to the even more pricey quarterbacks and tight ends potentially as well with the expensive, uh, the expensive running backs. I think it would just change how I try to approach like where I'm spending my money. I would probably be even more inclined to fade. I would imagine even higher Darren Waller ownership and the same thing with Patrick Mahomes because their ownership would go, would probably go up, but I think you could more, more like plus EVs spend that money. You could more advantageously spend that money at other positions or even at other players in the same positions. And just in terms of like the individual plays themselves, Jamal Williams got a bit of a price bump. I still think he'd be a good play. Hopefully his ownership would be kept in check by that price bump. And assuming we get the news on Carlos Hyde playing Chris Carson, not he'd probably be my favorite of any of the cheap running backs, really, let alone the three we're talking about right now. Yeah, I bring this up because Joe Mixon projects for nearly 16% ownership, and he's at 7,400. If we look down to Giovanni Bernard, he's a fraction of that price, and he's playing almost the exact same role. Like Joe Mixon was averaging 23.7 touches per game. Giovanni Bernard saw five targets last week, immediately stepped in for 18 touches in a really bad game environment. This game environment's pretty good. It has a really nice high total. So I think Giovanni Bernard might become chalk throughout the week, and I think he's certainly a better play than David Montgomery. So I just wanted to bring that up before before we get to some bold calls. 
My favorite bold call of the week. I'm not actually sure how bold this is. I really like this Minnesota Green Bay game, except I'm not exactly with the field. My favorite stack of the week is this Kirk Cousins. And whether you stack Justin Jefferson, whether you stack Thielen, I even like running double stacks with Irv Smith in there as a potential punt tight end, really the only punt tight end I'm interested in on Fandle this week, and then running it back with that clear alpha in Devontae Adams. I, I think this is the winning stack for me. Is there something you're looking at for a bold call? Yeah, so I think it was now three weeks ago where we had the slate broken by the Chase Claypool, Travis Fulgham dueling receivers. We get another Pittsburgh dueling receiver, but this week it is Deontay Johnson facing off against Marquise Brown. They're both top five receivers this week, and that is the secondary stack, maybe the primary stack with Lamar Jackson that wins the slate. I love it, man. Thank you guys for watching. Hit that thumbs up button on the way out. Make sure you check out all of the free content we have. We have more shows every single day. Kyle, tonight, you're back. The showdown slate, correct? I am back. I'll be on live before lock going live. is Thursday at 8.15. That means I will be live at probably 7.15. All right, yep. That is for the showdown slate tonight. It is a hot matchup between the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers, so make sure you check out that before you build your showdown lineups. Also, we have a podcast network. If you ever miss this show or just want to catch it in the car somewhere where you're not watching video, Check that out anywhere you get podcasts. We are available. I, of course, am your host, Matt Gajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski and him at Kyle Tweets here. Thanks again, guys, and good luck. We'll be back again next week.